right? When we tell anyone from children to octogenarians, don't do this. There's a cognitive level at which they understand we are prohibiting something. But there is also a part of their brain that does not understand the do not clause. And in fact, it makes them more likely to do something. This has been studied by science and shown to be a thing. Hello and welcome to Insure and Certain Hope, a podcast on faith, Jesus, the church, and other things. I'm Father Jed, your host, and the rector of the Church of the Redeemer, an Episcopal church in Kenmore, Washington. This morning we're continuing our series on going through the outline of the faith, which is also known as the catechism, uh, this, this basics of faith survey goes through as the catechism does question by question, topic by topic, and looks at different things. Today, we're looking at the 10 commandments. The Ten Commandments, from an outline of the faith, commonly known as the Catechism. Question, what are the Ten Commandments? Answer, the Ten Commandments are the laws given to Moses and the people of Israel. Question, what do we learn from these commandments? Answer, we learn two things, our duty to God and our duty to our neighbors. Question, What is our duty to God? Answer. Our duty is to believe and trust in God. 1. To love and obey God and to bring others to know him. 2. To put nothing in place of God. 3. To show God respect in thought, word, and deed. 4. And to set aside regular times for worship and prayer and the study of God's ways. Question. What is our duty to our neighbors? Answer. Our duty to our neighbors is to love them as ourselves and to do to other peoples as we wish them to do to us. 5. To love, honor, and help our parents and family, to honor those in authority and to meet their just demands. 6. To show respect for life God has given us, to work and pray for peace, to bear no malice, prejudice, or hatred in our hearts, and to be kind to all the creatures of God. 7. To use all our bodily desires as God intended. 8. To be honest and fair in our dealings, to seek justice, freedom, and the necessities of life for all people, and to use our talents and possessions as ones who must answer for them to God. 9. To speak the truth and not to mislead others by our silence. 10. To resist temptations to envy, greed, and jealousy. To rejoice in other people's gifts and graces. And to do our duty for the love of God who has called us into fellowship with him. Question. What is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? Answer. The Ten Commandments were given to define our relationship with God and our neighbor. Question. 
since we do not fully obey them, are they useful at all? Answer, since we do not fully obey them, we see more clearly our sin and our need for redemption. Okay, guess what? I'm not going to quibble with the title. It's right. We're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. Yay! But here's the thing. The Ten Commandments appear more than once in the Bible. They appear in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 1 to 17 around. And they also appear later in Deuteronomy uh, in a re-edited version. You can also find them in your prayer book, which it notes at the very beginning of this section on the Ten Commandments. It says, see either 317 or 350. And if you turn to page 350, because that's the one in right to language or vaguely modern language, you see the Decalogue Contemporary. Hear the commandments of God to his people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage in Egypt. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall make for yourself no... You shall not make for yourself any idol. You shall not invoke with malice the name of your Lord, your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Right? Those are the Ten Commandments that we're really familiar with. And you might wonder why... Why those, as the guiding, animating principle of that, that it tries to explain God's covenant with the Hebrew people, right? This is why we're looking at the Ten Commandments, because as we said last week, this is what governs that, that covenant, not an old covenant, but that covenant, the Mosaic covenant, is governed by this teaching, which is typified in the Ten Commandments. As if, they, they seem to say, those Ten Commandments cover in their breadth and depth the entirety of all 618 mitzvahs of Torah. Because there are not Ten Commandments, there are 618 commandments, of which there, these are ten. So 10 out of, that's like, I can't do the math, you know, whatever 10 divided by 618 is. That, 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 that is a very small percentage of, of, the, of the totality of the mitzvahs of Torah. And yet we're holding them up in this section as the animating principle. And when you hear that list that I just read from page 350 of our prayer book, it might be a little bit more confusing. But if you look at the way they're formatted in the outline of the faith, in the catechism, it's really different. Did you hear the difference? Because the main difference, as I read them, is a difference of thou shalt not, which is what we're most familiar with, thank you, King James, versus one Love and obey God. Two, put nothing in place of God. Three, show God respect and thought, word, and deed. And on and on and on, right? It's that via negativa approach that we get out of Exodus and Deuteronomy versus the approach of uh, 
positive affirmation of what you should do that the writers of the outline of the faith of the catechism put into this section on the Ten Commandments. And both are important, right? It's good to have a rule that says you should not murder. That's probably important. But also some some of those commandments, you know, the, the Lord says the Lord is a jealous God. You shall have no other gods except for the Lord. You know, that that is not just that it feels better to say love and obey God and bring others to know God. But that it gives us a goal to aim at, not just something to not aim at. It's even tied to the way our brains are wired. Our brains are wired not to hear things like, do not do this. Right? When we tell anyone from children to octogenarians, don't do this. There's a cognitive level at which they understand we are prohibiting something. But there is also a part of their brain that does not understand the do not clause. And in fact, it makes them more likely to do something. This has been studied by science and shown to be a thing. And we'll get more into that in Sin and Redemption um, in the next, next week. But for now, it's important to hear that, that, these, that the way we think of these is very much shaped by 400 years of hearing them in that King James faux Elizabethan, thou shalt not. And whether that's more equivocal in Greek and Hebrew, that's a whole other thing that is not uh, applicable to this podcast. But the Ten Commandments do something super important, which is why we're mentioning them in the catechism. It's not just that you know, we have to acknowledge them. They keep trying to put them on courthouse lawns. You know, that's, it's not just that. So you kind of have to know what they, even though Jesus sums them up and, you know, really that's more important. No, because it's this bright line of connection within how God expects this relationship to be from the beginning through all of those covenants that we talked about last week to Jesus, which we'll get to in a couple weeks. Right, these two tablets of the Ten Commandments. We we think of you know Moses carrying the two tablets. Um, you know when we think of Charlton Heston coming down the mountain, he's got those two pieces of foam that are painted like rock, and it's because there are two parts to this relationship. It governs both our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. It contains within it the conditions for viable human existence rooted in God's own life, as one scholar put it, right? The, the, these 10 commandments in their two foci of relationship with God and relationship with each other contain within it everything we need for having a life that is life-giving, for, for doing what God has asked us to do, what God asked the Hebrew people and therefore to teach everyone in the world to do, which is to choose life and abundance. So we have to understand the Ten Commandments in relationship to the role that the Hebrew people pay in God's relationship with all of creation, that they are to be the people who live out that hoped-for relationship with God through this life and relationship with God and with each other in a way that gives life. 
The theologian and uh, scriptural scholar Walter Brueggemann points out that that makes the two parts of the Ten Commandments, the, the tablet about our relationship with God and the tablet about our relationship with each other, that, that these make our relationships inextricably linked with each other. Uh, and he quotes Karl Marx, of all people, uh, who said, the criticism of heaven is thus the, transformed into the criticism of the world, uh, criticism of earth, the criticism of religion into the criticism of law, and the criticism of theology into the criticism of politics. Sounds very theologian-y and not at all Karl Marxy, and maybe we need to revisit Marx, but again, that's the purview of another podcast episode. Brueggemann's point, though, is that you cannot divorce God talk from people talk. The principles of the sanctuary, the principles of the tent of meeting for the Hebrew people, the principles of Mount Sinai are also the principles of the town square are also the principles of the economy in its most basic form. I mean, economy means how the household runs. Oikos is the Greek word for, for house. How the house runs is the eco- economy. And so those two cannot be delinked, although we try to do it all the time. As much as the prophets tell us not to do it, as much as Jesus tells us not to do it, as much as the saints tell us not to do it, we keep trying to de-link them. And here again is another link in that bright chain of God saying, no, these two are linked. I am in the world. I am a part of the world. I am the creator of the world. And the world, in the way that you interact with the world is the way that you interact with me, whether you like it or not. And so Brueggemann says... The Decalogue stands as a critical principle of protest against every kind of exploitative social relation, public and interpersonal, capitalist and socialist. And as a social vision of the possibility that every social relation, public and interpersonal, economic and political, can be transformed and made into a liberating relation. Imagine that. That every relationship that we have can be transformed into one that is liberating and life-giving. Now juxtapose that against the way that relationships work in our society. That's why the Ten Commandments are still a radical document and are still a part of how we have to understand our faith. Yes, it is only one part of our greater understanding of our faith as Christians, but it is no less a part. It is still a part of that long and unbroken line of God's attempts to lead us to suspect that choosing life means not just our own lives, but our lives in interrelationship with all of those that we come in contact with. That is what life truly is all about. That is what living in God's covenant is truly all about. And that is why the Ten Commandments are still important for us. Not because they're this set of 
you know, rules which are set up to punish us when we mess up, thou shalt not. But because they are a radical reimagining of the way in which we can live with God and with each other, a way that can transform every relation into one that is liberating and life-giving and ultimately redemptive. And so part of our role as Christians is when people start to say, well, we're Christians, so we don't really believe in the Ten Commandments anymore. We just believe in Jesus and his, you know, summation. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Ten Commandments are... They are speaking out of what the Ten Commandments have become in modern American thought in, in sort of this weird, nostalgic, Puritan, evangelical thought, which is thou shalt not, right? It's a way of boundarying people, a way of saying you're in and you're out, right? Instead, what the Ten Commandments could be, should be, how they should be thought of, is a way in which we can measure our relationships. Are they life-giving? Or are they exploitative? Now, it's neither just one or the other. It's not this dichotomous thing. It's a spectrum. But it's certainly a way of examining our relationships that would give a lot of people who are really invested in putting the Ten Commandments on the lawns of every court in America a great deal of pause. Because rather than a stick to beat people whom they disagree with, it becomes a ruler for measuring how their relationship with God is based on what kind of relationship they have with their neighbor, us, in some cases, and we have with them. And that's a lot harder, a lot more nuanced, but also a lot more life-giving way to move through the world. I want to thank you for joining us today on Insurance Certain Hope. I hope that you will join us in the future as we continue our way through the outline of the faith, otherwise known as the Catechism as we journey together in sure and certain hope.